Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Creasy! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. It's another week of American tennis, and what a week it has been. Uh, my golly, if you go to any of your websites that have uh, people that follow tennis and uh, are closely involved with tennis, you will see the big, big deal that happened this last week in Orlando, Florida. We brought everybody, I guess, ITF from around the world, and we brought them into our big centralized government uh, place there in Orlando. And I'm not, I don't want to be cutting out of the box here, but I'm very, very upset uh, as we speak about it that the changes that they are making right now and propose to make could be a death blow for tennis, and uh, I'm going to start out by saying that. We're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about your responsibility and my responsibility to protect the history and the heritage of our game, of our sport. It's different. It's a game for some people. It's a great, great sport, and when we talk about Davis Cup, it absolutely falls into the realm of a sport different than just a game. Let's protect the history and the heritage of our game. I'm Coach Chuck Creasy again, and this is year number six of American Tennis. Each week on Wednesday, we this program um, is here to talk about American Tennis and those things that are going on in American Tennis. And we want to right the ship. We want to make sure that Tennis steps out and stands out, steps up, stands out among the great, great uh, American tennis is the greatest tennis in the world. Got a ways to go. I know it's more popular in other sport in other countries. I think they said soccer's number one. T- 
tennis is number two in most sport in most countries. It falls down in America because I guess we just have so many more options. And the USTA and those uh, those uh, fine people who are administrators have been trying to get more and more people in. In the last few weeks, we have been talking about the sleeping giants in our country, that if we could wake them up, uh, golly, it would take care of a lot of, lot of things. But we're making mistake after mistake after mistake in, uh, first of all, the philosophy, the procedure, the, just the ideology of thinking that you can just create programs and get people excited about programs. Um, you can get people excited for a little bit, but getting them inspired for the long run is the deal. Getting people inspired for the long run is what we should be going after. It's never just, I brought this up last week. Years ago, I was able to sit on a board meeting, if you can believe it, with the great Arthur Ashe. And I was a young about, a guy, about 30 or something, and um question was asked, where are we struggling the most in tennis? And he said, level two. Now, in my way of thinking, I always thought, well, it's when kids get through college and they want to go play pro tennis, we really don't have anything out for them, anything there for them. But the great Arthur Ashe said, level two. We introduce them to the sport, but we don't get the hook in the mouth. And when we do, it's a barbless hook. That's in and out, and uh, we expose people to it, but we don't get them to fall in love with the sport. And I've always said on this program, when I do camps with kids, I, I say you can play tennis every day of your life and never be a tennis player. Just like you can play the piano every day of your life and never be a musician. You can go to school 10 hours a day and really, really never be a student. So what makes the difference when you become a tennis player? What makes the difference? I can coach. I've been coaching 47 years now, 41 years with college. And every day of my life, I've been a coach as back far as I can remember, 47 years. But the bottom line, I could do all that 41 or 47 years and really never be a coach, even though I'm doing coaching. And that's the difference. When does that which we do become who we are or what we are? And when does it take on that realm? And our sport is a sport, and we've got to help people become tennis players. The statistics are not good. We only have 26,000 junior tennis players in the United States of America. 26,000. Now, we introduced thousands more than that to the sport. But to be a tennis player means more than... They, I think their statistics said more than two tournaments a year or something. So we do this introduction, no-cut tennis, and what happens? We introduce people to the game, but they never become players. And why don't they? We make it easy to pick up, and it's easy to put down. We introduce tennis with programs into the inner cities. But why do they, why do they fail? Why are we not making tennis players? We're looking, we sprinkle the magic dust, and we, we try to get people introduced to the game. But easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. 
where we should be doing with our high schools is something else. That's the sleeping giant. The second sleeping giant I introduced the last couple weeks was is absolutely Small Town Tennis USA, folks. I have got a program, Small Town Tennis USA. Email me at chuckcreasy at gmail, K-R-I-E-S-E. And I'm dead set on getting Small Town Tennis USA going. I know how we can do it. I know we, how we can inspire youngsters to want to be tennis players, not just those who play tennis. The third thing we talked about, Sleeping John, we need competition. As I pointed out that day in 1980 or so in that conference meeting, when the great Arthur Ashe was talking about level two, I pointed out there's nothing for college kids unless they play pro tennis right after from 20 to 35. That's a whole, whole age demographic. That's a demographic group or a whole age, age division, those 15 years, even those that play tennis all their lives, they just drop out of tennis. Because there's nothing for them. Folks, we, we could do U, UTR tournaments. We could do money tournaments. Could you imagine all these young college players if we were doing money tournaments? Fourth group we talked about, of, of course, was the 55 and overs. We had Coach Ed Crass on last week. And we we're speaking about the our older age group. They're going to pickleball. Give me a break. The hula hoop. The yo-yo. The Duncan Yo, that's Sir Pickleball. And God bless you pickleball players out there, and it looks like it could be fun. But I'm sorry, pickleball is not tennis. But maybe we need to look at one-on-one tennis. And number five we said last week was Coach Cindy Wimberly came – or not Coach Cindy, I'm sorry, Susie. Susie Wimberly. Coach says, Susie came on and said, we've got to get involved. You've got to get involved. My program two weeks ago was on that. But the big, big thing here is one of the protecting and the sleeping giants is the history and the heritage of our game. I have a guest coach that's just come on. He's only got a few minutes, so I'm going to get some input. Coach Randy Blumendahl, we're going to come on here in a second, and I'm hoping this is you. I think it's 812. I've got – Two or three people on the switchboard here. Coach Randy Blumendahl. Uh, that's Coach Blumendahl there, correct? Coach? Yes. How are you doing, Coach? Great. I know you only got a few minutes during your uh, lunch break, but first of all, congratulations on your radio show Sunday night. The Coach Sunday evenings at Coach's Corner. But you brought uh, – you had a great program last Sunday – on the coach's corner, and it was spurred by the same thing I'm talking about today, about how we, they, we aren't a part of that. We have been trying to talk against it pretty much, but they changed Davis Cup. And uh, you work with kids a lot. You've been a college coach for 25 years. Uh, I'm just going to open the floor there for you a little bit. You can talk about your disappointment, your outrage, whatever, and then I know that your time is limited today. Go ahead, Coach. Yeah, the the, 
you know, with with the game itself, and, and you can tell them a little bit. This this has gotten to a point where, you know, with Davis Cup, it's beyond, you know, hey, well, what about change in, you know, whether they get five more seconds for a water break or whatever. I mean, these are this this is 125 years of playing a format that inspired generation after generation after generation. And you talk to player after player after player, old, young, and they remember Davis Cup matches. And and part of the reason is is because it's exactly the way our sport's built. And the more the, the emotions build, the more the circumstances build, the better and better the game gets. And it's not a, a sports center sport, very similar to baseball. Um, it's a sport that builds drama over time. And and those that understand that, you know, it's not necessarily a team sport most of the time, but when you're representing your country, adds another layer of emotion in there. And the longer the short is, they took 125 years, and they just changed it on a whim, maybe, I don't know, or did they think it out and they're getting their pockets lined? I'm not sure, but who gave them the right to do it? Who gave them the right to change 125 years of heritage? And anybody that's been around sport for any length of time understands that if you take away heritage, you're going to, your game's going to die. And I don't care how great the game is, and we have, I think we have the greatest game, but I don't care how great it is, you'll kill it. If you take away heritage or your heritage gets scarred because of cheating or or just neglect, in our case, just flat-out neglect, then the, Coach, the sport will not could survive. I jump in? Could I jump in there? Yeah, you, the yeah, other absolutely. day in your program you talked about trying to teach the kids the Emerson boundaries and drill. Yes. Could you tell that story very quickly to everybody? Because that is exactly hits the nail on the head with what you're talking about. Once you take away the heritage and the history of the game, what happens? Go ahead, Coach. Well, for, for various reasons, and, and, and a lot of it's just the brilliance of what originally was set up between Roy Emerson and Rod Laver. And imagine that there was a brilliance that, that went on day in, day out with them practicing together. I mean, that, of course, there was. And, and, uh, but the, 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 the subtleties to playing that is, is amazing. But there's a certain boundary that he, he participated in. He shrunk the court down so he could work on certain things. And so we call those Emerson boundaries. And, uh, and then we run a lot of games through those boundaries. And all the kids that have been with me for any length of time know immediately, and when I say Emerson boundaries, what we're going to do. So I say that, and I, I turn to a new boy that's from Australia, and I say, yeah, Emerson boundaries, you know who those were named after. And I could see the blank stare in his face, like, you know, I've got no idea, but I don't want to be embarrassed. And I said, well, we'll talk later, but that's Roy Emerson. You know who Roy Emerson is, right? He's an Australian. No, sir, I don't know who Roy Emerson is. So then I turned to a boy from India, and I said, do you know who Roy Emerson is? No, sir, I don't know who Roy Emerson is. Then I looked at an American that had been around me for, for, you know, a little over a year, 
And I said, hey, do you know who Roy Emerson is? And he said, Coach, I think I've heard you talk about it, but I'm not quite sure. And I said, well, time out, guys. Do you know who Babe Ruth is? And they all nodded, yeah, Babe Ruth, the baseball player. And I said, well, whoa, whoa, time out. Babe Ruth played in the 20s, you know, 1920s. I said, guys, Roy Emerson played in the 60s and 70s. And they looked at me, you know, like, okay, well, well, yeah, sorry we didn't know that much about baseball. Roy Emerson's a baseball player. I said, no, but you knew Babe Ruth was a baseball player. And they said, yes. I said, no, Roy Emerson's a tennis player that had the grand, the most grand slams until Pete Sampras broke his record. And their eyes kind of lit up. But, but the point of the whole story is how are we at that point? Where every, I mean, people that don't even know baseball know zero rules about baseball, know who Babe Ruth is, and one of the greatest players to ever play our game, Roy Emerson, they have no idea. Even the, uh, the people from his country have no idea who he is. How did we get to that point? And that is the very thing that we're taking out of the sport, and the people that are the marketers, they don't get that. Like, you can throw all the bells and whistles on, and all that happens is you end up with something like um, arena football, you know, where it's, oh, well, that looks good for about 10 minutes, and it's boring as all can be, and I don't remember one player that played it because it doesn't matter. Or you can say, hey, the games in baseball, they take four and a half hours, and people are falling asleep or whatever, but they're paying attention because after over 100 years of heritage – Everything that goes on on the diamond matters. It's the same thing that should happen on the tennis court. And when you take away 125 years of heritage, and not just, you know, some kind of like, oh, this, and and it should be very, very important to the U.S. and Australia because that heritage has been, you know, our countries have, have shined very bright in very tough situations over the years, and that's really helped our sport. And and for us to not believe that that's important for tennis or the U.S. tennis, wow. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that, that just blows me away. And, it, and it, when I first heard it, it was very personal. And then I just look at it like, oh, this is the day I have to record because if they take game down, which it looks like they're trying to do, this this day matters. This day where they voted this in matters for the gimmick two-week thing that nobody's going to pay attention to outside of the, maybe the next two years, you know, and there's not going to be any records that matter, any any matches that are going to be significant enough where people talk about them for 30 years from now, like they do Davis Cup. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's something that is very – it becomes personal because, once again, you're taking away – something from the youth that that they can't develop. If you take away our heritage, I mean, the sport just becomes repetitions and gimmicks, and there's not a lot there. There's not a lot there. Um, if you don't, if you, if you honor all that, wow, there's a ton of depth to what we do day in, day out. And it's a, it's a heck of a teaching tool. And, and it's something that people, you know, it, it's so tough that people will talk about it for, for years and years and years and years and years. 
So that's that's well, the people story. Want to be... and then... Yeah. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, people want to be part of something that is important. They want to be part of heritage history. That's why, like, making the Olympic team is such a big, big deal. Uh, World Series champions is such a big deal. Now, we've marketed the Super Bowl, I guess, thing, I mean, so much. And that's where I, I – but some of the stuff is so cheap out there now. It's like the bumper sticker that says, my kid is a winner or something like that. I mean, it's – when everybody's a winner, no one is really a winner. No <laughs> When everybody is a loser, really everybody's a loser because it's it's nothing. And I use, I brought up the example of Indiana basketball the other day, but I wanted to give everybody a quote. Years ago I read a quote by Thomas Jefferson, and he said, in matters of principle you stand like a rock. Matters of method you can flow with the stream a little bit. And the bottom line here is where the mistake gets made. I think there's not many of these administrators or marketeers that wouldn't agree with Thomas Jefferson saying. But the problem is it's like your kids, Coach Blumendahl. Your kids that you're coaching, they didn't know who Roy Emerson was, and then they thought he was a baseball player. Well, the point is people who do not know the sport to the depth that our great players do they don't think it's a matter of principle, the scoring system. They think, oh, we'll just change the scoring system and make no ad scoring. It's just, uh, oh, it's just one of it's a marketing gimmick. Oh, let's just, it it matters. It it diminishes the game to to try to change. What happens to all the records? What happens to all of the the records and things? What happens now? If somebody wins Davis Cup in a hockey. In a hokey pokey shootout tiebreaker, and somebody wins it, and let's say uh, some small country pops up and wins it, well, it'd be big for a week, but it won't be like uh, you know it has been the, like beating the Romanians back with Stan Smith and Bob Lutz and those guys. Listen, Dennis Ralston posted a thing today, and I'm just learning how to use this the internet a little bit better here, Facebook. But he he posted a picture of his, when he was coaching Davis Cup, Dennis Ralston, the team was Smith and Lutz, Jimmy Connors, I think it was Stan Smith, and I think Eric Van Dillen was on that team. It was Dick Stockton, Arthur Ashe. I mean, whoa! I mean, all of those players. Now, but the tragedy is that, a lot of the kids you talk to them, they don't know the history and heritage of a game, and that that is all of our fault. But I think that USTA, listen, USTA, your first job should be to protect protect the history and the heritage of our sport. That should be that should be written in a rock and in, in stone and in, in a foundation of your building. But so many things, Coach, we do because we can, not because we should. You know, I, I, there's talk. You know, they've got that big old facility down there. They've got to make it famous and pay for it. So Lake, I call it Lake Cabona. You know, Kona. What's the name? Lake Kona? Lake whatever it is. I'm in tennis, and I couldn't. 
I don't remember it. You know what? And and the point is, they're talking about like moving the college tennis tournament, the NCAA tournament down there, taking it out of. I guess. And I look. I don't like going to Athens, Georgia. I was a Clemson guy. It's a heck of a lot better to have it on a campus like Georgia than Lake Bona. Nona, Nona. That's the one. Anyhow, Kalamazoo. They're talking. Oh, you move. Could you imagine? Say, oh, uh, it's not no no more. It's not Kalamazoo. It's uh, it's the the. But what happens to these the history and the heritage? And uh, I want to get a few more comments from you, Coach, before we shut down here today. But the uh, the bottom line on the thing is Tim Wilkinson, who was the great Doctor Dirt. He got Tim was always top ten in the world doubles and just a great great professional. Respected the game so much with his effort. But he said, and I always quote him, kids play for two reasons. They play for rivalries, number one, and then tournaments of heritage. They want to be able to win tournaments of heritage. And he, he said to me, he said, do you think people, kids would rather win Kalamazoo or be number one in the country? Well, that's easy, win Kalamazoo. That's on the boys' side. Do you think that a tennis player would rather win Wimbledon be a Wimbledon champion or number one in the world? Win Wimbledon. But what are they, what is U.S. Open now going to, I mean, my golly, they're just, but again, they know not what they do. These marketeers are working for the short run. Any thoughts there, Coach? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, just, you know, we've talked about the, the having leadership in the right place, and then some of these decisions are being made by good people with good intentions. They're just in wrong spots. You know, they're 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 being put in the wrong places, and you know, we're constantly asking, well, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does this happen? Tennis is a tremendous opportunity because it's always going to be individual it's always going to be independent in its thinking and then how you get that together takes the right leadership it takes a lot of years of doing the right things and i think the the right things are people have to understand how tough of a sport it is so you need a blue collar work ethic when you go about it, and you've got to honor the game day in, day out. And, and and then, just like with players, the cream rises to the top. And and then, you know, you, you kind of – those guys are the ones that end up being leaders. Now, where we mess this thing up is we're trying to force things to happen that need to happen – but not in the ways that we're trying to force them by taking credit and we're doing a lot of self-promotion. Well, yeah, it's going to be independent thinking, but after years of people having skin in the game, got to do it for a bigger and better cause. And and that's the part where I think we're missing the boat. And, boy, I wish we would get people out there that would step up. I think we're we're trying to do this. And there's there's good people in some of these organizations, really good people. Um, and I know the number one thing is when you're working, you got a family, you're trying to provide. But you know, when you have a responsibility when you're doing something at this magnitude. 
but yeah, it's a lot, a lot of decisions. You you look at it from the outside in. It looks kind of good when you're, but it's not going to last. Those things are not going to last because just what you said. The inspiration with players comes from two areas, in two areas alone. It comes from rivalries. It comes from events, events with heritage. Kalamazoo, every kid that plays that tournament, whether they lose first round or whether they win the tournament, that tournament leaves a mark on them. That leaves a mark. They take that away. They don't understand. I mean, it's already going in a south direction. They take that away and it'll just speed things up much quicker. The time frame is going to be much quicker of, of how we've got to change things around, and it's going to be much harder, much harder to do. So, yes, yeah, those, those things matter. And then you take rivalries out, and we're doing it to control mainly and because we have some ideas that are independent in thinking, but they're not helping everybody out. But when you take talent out of small areas or even big areas and you take away those rivals, they don't understand the damage they've done. Now, they can do it for short periods of time, but for long periods of time, doesn't work out so well for tennis and it actually doesn't work out i mean the proof is it doesn't work out very well for the players <laughs> you know everybody's well, the marketing, in the science now <laughs> so the marketing you know, the, i brought up results. i brought up a couple of weeks ago i think i was speaking to you anybody out there tell me who the heavyweight champion of the world right now is in boxing Coach, do you know that? Anybody I don't know, and I I, I used to, for, for 20 straight years, I knew exactly who it was and who the contenders Please were, and right? every, you know, but I don't. I haven't. In the last 20, I haven't. I haven't. All right, Even when I try happened, to pay attention, I can't figure it out. Well, what exactly. You try to pay attention, you can't figure it out. It's been over-marketed. And they've done many things, not because they should, but just because they could. They, you know, yep. and, and that's the point. So what happened to the knowing who the toughest man in the world was, the toughest person in the world, the greatest person, the heavyweight boxer, the Muhammad Ali, the Joe Frazier, the Rocky Marciano, you know, the, the gentleman, gentleman Jim Corbett. I'm going back a little bit there. You know, but uh, we go back and, and we think of the great champions, Joe Lewis, and, and all of these great Floyd Patterson. We knew them all. Nobody knows what happened. The marketeers got in charge of the sport, and now it's like a hokey pokey show. They can pipe something all they want, but people know it's just sort of a marketed thing by Las Vegas. It doesn't matter. So let me ask you a real quick question here, Coach. I know you got to go. One quick question, though. Okay, let's say that what they're doing is completely right. They are, These guys are so smart. Wait a minute. How did we miss the boat, Coach Blumendahl? You know, I'm 47 years in coaching, and you're, you're uh, 35, four years in coaching. How did we miss the boat? These guys are all right as we look back on them. You tell me, though. Who has the right to make a call like this and to change tennis like this, the fundamentals? Does Roger Federer have it? Maybe it's Roger. Maybe he did it. 
or uh, you know, or maybe it was uh, somebody like a Jimmy Connors who won seventy six titles or something. Oh no, maybe maybe, maybe Rafael Nadal they got together. At, who has the right to do this, Coach? Just can you answer that? And how should it be done if it's supposed to be done? Well, I don't think anybody has the right. No one individual has the right to do that. And then that's what they're going to say, that they all got together and voted on it. But no, and nobody has the right even to to come up with something like that. Now, Davis Cup maybe was being attended at a lower level. Maybe they weren't. But that that's because you've taken the heritage out, and you haven't you haven't done a good job. The marketeers out there, they haven't done a good job of promoting the game from what has happened with the history, you know, in in technology and all the slick stuff. We've everybody's got a better way, and you know, I know we're wired like that a little bit in tennis, but. By no means, I mean, we all need to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute. Could Rod Laver have played with the Rackets today? And Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that that's that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you, you've got to keep honoring all these champions in the, in the I mean, are, are we going to try to take it on Wimbledon next? I mean, what what's the next thing that, that is great in our sport that we think, hey, we've got to change it up? No, nobody does. Nobody's got that right. And, you know, the fans don't have that right. The no, Nobody has that right. And and you could say, well, without the money, the events don't go. Okay, well, then that, that is what it is. Then you call it something different. But Davis Cup, 125 years, needs to be the same format. That's That's the heritage. That's where the great matches came from. That's where the great rivalries came from. That's where it mattered when your country won this, the, the Davis Cup at the end of the year. That's why it mattered so much, because how tough it was to get to that point and to win those matches. You take away that and call it something different. They can't call it Davis Cup. It's not Davis Cup anymore, and they know that. And it's the same thing in college tennis. Don't call that tennis. It's not tennis. It's not tennis. You guys know that. It's not tennis. You're not playing tennis. All right? You can't teach it the same way. It it doesn't reward the same people. See, tennis would allow anybody that mastered, regardless of size and skill set, and you, you honored it and worked hard enough, you would figure out how to become a, the best version of yourself. Tennis would allow that. Your scoring system, which is not tennis, does not allow that. So don't call that tennis either. I mean, th- these are these are things that no, we don't have the right. We don't. We don't have the right. You know, in 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 basketball, I know a few years ago they changed three point lines. You know, in in college basketball, but you know, NBA was doing. So where was the line with that stuff? So that's where people think, oh, you can tweak the sport a little bit. You know, football they've added in the, you know, the in the replays and all that. Is it helped? No. Everybody will tell you it hasn't helped. All right. Does it help basketball? No. All right. So what, who gave those people the right? All right. And because they got away with it, why do you think we can get away with it at the next level? So, no. And, and look, baseball has done a tremendous job 
of fighting all that off. I've heard that for 30 years with baseball. Oh, we got to shorten the game. You can't let them scratch more than three times, or you can't let them throw this first bet, you know, whatever. No, no. It's baseball, and you have to call it something else. I mean, we have T-ball. We have other sports. They can play wiffle ball, but baseball is different. So it's the same in tennis. And if we got to the point where everybody understood and honored it on that level, then we wouldn't be having the issues we're having right now. Exactly. And um, just I'd like to tie that up. Um, You made me think of something. Um, Matters of principle stand like a rock. Matters of method flow. These marketeers and administrators, these centralized government, people that are over-regulating, under-stimulating with their innovation, innovating, the problem is that they don't recognize what the matters of principle is, the scoring system. I've used this before, but to change, abbreviate the scoring system of tennis would be like in football. No ad is like this, folks. Uh, throwing touchdown, passing touchdowns, nine points, running touchdowns, only six, field goals, only three. Would you change the game? Well, yeah, you would. Small people, teams like Navy, Army, the Citadel people, Georgia Tech, don't play football with the triple option because you're not, it just changed everything. It just changes the whole dynamic. Well, that's what's happened to tennis. If you're small, if you're a small tennis player, forget it. For years, I've taught take the legs, beat the head, break the heart, and then the game will fall. Well, forget that. How are you going to take the legs when you only can play seven points maximum per game? Now, who made this decision? Did they make it because they knew better than everybody else? Or was it done on a whim? Was it a matter of principle? Well, the scoring is a principle. But what they, what you do is you make the hokey pokey show more important than the essence of the game. So you've made your point great, Coach. I, I thank you so much for coming on today. i got to yeah, wind her up here. We're almost me. out of time. Yep. But uh, everybody listen to Coach Bloombadal's show on Sunday evening, Coach's Corner. Also, Coach John Denise's. Our Tennis Mentors program is on Thursday afternoon. Thanks, Coach Blumendahl. Folks, with uh, with that, we're, we're, we're winding down here. I wanted to mention a few things to you. We got time for a commercial? Dang it. What the heck? Yeah, I got, a, I got a few minutes. We will be right back in a second. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and this is American Tennis. Coach Chuck Creasy, and I'd like to talk a minute or two about my book. My book, Coaching Tennis, is now becoming the top instructional book that has been written out there. Chet and Bill Murphy's tennis book is maybe still the greatest, but Coaching Tennis now, we've sold over 40,000 copies around the world, and it's been on all of the continents except one, and that's Antarctica. Antarctica. 
So, folks, if you would like a great book for your teams, if you would like a great book for you to learn, for your youngsters to learn, look up Coaching Tennis, and I'm Coach Chuck by Coach Chuck Creasy, and you can just Google it and go to Amazon Coaching Tennis. Thanks very much, and help some children out there, and the name of the book is Coaching Tennis. to do all this. 
55 and over, senior citizen tennis, Coach Ed Crass. We had him last week on our program. Go to the program last week. It was the, I believe the date was the 15th of uh, August. Coach Ed Crass talked about his one-on-one doubles. That would be a, that's a great sport for seniors and also for youngsters who are learning how to do all their skills, uh, the volley skills and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, you, you are the uh, most important person out there. Um, Ms. Susie Wimberly in the program two weeks ago, which was, would have been, golly folks, I'm trying to add up back, I think it was the 8th of August. Susie, Susie Wimberly was fantastic in telling how to get energy going in your community. Now, Coach Ed Kras brought along that we also need the transitioning from one level to the next to the next. And one of the problems we've had is we segregated tennis into 12 and under, 14 and under, 16 and under, 18 and under, and eight by age groups. But the UTR is, is um, a wonderful thing as it segregates players based on levels, and then people are working towards level. Listen, I saw a teaching pro uh, last weekend, and he was working with a youngster who was a sophomore, and he says, what's your UTR level? And the kid said, I'm an 8. And he goes, okay, you've got to get up to 11, a 10 for sure, and then 11. Now, how do you do that? And the kid said, well, I've got to do this and this and this and this. It wasn't so much, hey, I've got to beat these 50 players that are ranked ahead of me. The kid then starts thinking, oh, I've got to work for mastery more than I work for success, and I've just got to get better. So the UTR level rating systems are by far and above better than are these old ranking systems. And I don't look at rankings recruiting anymore because they're not reliable. They're not, they're not done very well anymore because it's an, uh, the point system has to be the worst thing that somebody ever thought of in the USTA. It's, it's just they've got to dump it. I've said that many times. Number seven, the Sleeping Giants, history and the heritage. If you are a teacher of tennis out there, can I say to you, most important thing you could do right now before your kids get into it is starting hitting them with the history and the heritage of the game. Who won Davis Cup in 1968? Who won Davis Cup in 1954? Who was the coach of 20 Australian Davis Cup championships from 1950 to 1970? And who is, who is the person that holds the Grand Slam? We need... Our, our youngsters need to grow up thinking, wow, this is a great person. This is one of the great, all-time greats. I'd like to be like one of these all-time greats. Work with that youngster out there close to you. Work with anybody in front of you. But we've got to uh, do our part. Like thank Coach Randy Blumendahl, uh, and he's in Bradenton, Florida, folks. Look him up, Inspiration Academy. That guy is special human being and a special coach and uh he understands it and you you administrators out there and again it ain't about you it's not about your recognition and i listen don't do stuff just because you can do it because you should and our scoring system our davis cup and all the history and heritage is a rock 
that we should stand on and stand by and we should defend. It's not a whim. It's not a changing weather. It's not something that we can handle uh, as if, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. And uh, those of you too big for your britches, shame on you. Nobody is bigger than the sport of tennis. Roger Federer, Nadal, all these guys, they honor the sport of tennis. Yes, tennis has been great to them. It's been great to all of us. But none of us have the right to change the history and the heritage of the game. None of us have the right. And I'm, I'm, I, I, the, the arrogance of people who think they have the right to do that is, is not good. Those of you out there that played a lot of sports, those of you out there that are past champions, you know, the Dennis Ralstons, the Bob Lutz, the Jimmy Connors, the Stan Smiths, all, the, all these people who are fantastic champions, we need you to stand up right now. We're at a critical crossroads. We need you to stand up, and we need you to tell these marketeers that you're going down the wrong way with this. And, uh, I've got to go. I want to thank you very much for listening again. We'll see you next week. process of winning or losing every day of your life and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next week on American Tennis.